This is How Men Think with Brooks Like and Gavin DeGraw, an iHeartRadio podcast. Welcome to another episode of How Men Think. My name is Brooks Like, and I am super excited about this show. The previous couple of shows that we've had, we've talked about the pursuit of excellence and the mastery of one cra- one's craft and the lifelong achievement of a person dedicated to a certain thing. So um, we're going to discover more of that in today's episode, the pursuit of excellence, the pursuit of excellence. I love that. And honoring and mastering one's craft. And we have a real distinguished guest, somebody that can speak to this maybe better than anybody else because of their history. And I love saying this. I very rarely, rarely say it, but we have a living legend on <laughs> I say it I only ever say it I very reserved with my words with that I think legend is a term thrown around too often but in this case it's very true he is the most recognized male figure skater star in the world he's won over 70 titles awards honors you name it He's inducted into the United States Olympic Hall of Fame, and he is a member of the World Figure Skating Hall of Fame, and he is an Olympic gold medalist. Welcome Holy to the cow. show, Mr. Scott Hamilton. Wow. Wow, that was all so long ago, you know? It's just like, oof, yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but it's still part of you. It's still so much a part of you, and, and all of that is still, I believe, that was only the first part of your life. That was the athletic part of your life. Your bio was yeah. so long, Scott. I want to talk. Yeah, about I know. That. It's awful. That's because no, I'm old. No, it's not. <laughs> it's because you achieved so much. Your athletic accomplishments were so incredible. But what's, what's amazing about your story, and I've followed your story for many, many years since I've known life existence, Scott, I've followed your story. Mm-hmm. Um, what's more incredible to me is actually your, your resilience and the things that you've overcome in your personal life, the challenges that you've overcome in your life, um, which I'm sure your, your resilience that you developed through sport has helped you. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, what, what, you know, it's, it's like everything in sports is based on, um, failure basically. Cause when, when you do anything, you know, you're, you're probably not going to be very good at it. Right. So the idea is you're, you're living with this, like, mountain of failure and you slowly start chipping away at it you know so the same mistakes you made before you're you're really going to try to eliminate those so you don't make them again right and it's a learning process you know big part of skating is you fall down and get up you know so i wrote a book called finish first um a few years ago and it was basically you know i've fallen minimum we figured forty-one thousand six hundred times right So the thing is, when you fall down 41,600 times, you get up yeah. 41,600 times. So the idea is, it's like, you know, once you get up, then, then the failure takes on a different identity because you just, you know, you're just going to get up. You know, it's yeah. just, okay, that didn't work. I'm going to get up. Pretty soon that jump that you fell on a thousand times, like you've gotten it to a point where you don't miss it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like my, you know, you nationals, my first nationals on the novice men's that's little boys level. I, it was Janet Lynn's last competition, um, us, you know, skating competition. And there was standing room, only 17,500 people in that building. And, and they had a little boys event as the event proceeding her. So there was, it was sold out standing room only. Yeah. And I fell five times and I fell five times in the performance, which is a three minute performance. Yeah. And, um, 
like how do you how do you have time to fall down five times in three minutes? It's like you know, it's like that's how big a failure that was. So the next year, and you know, I came in dead last, obviously. And next year, I came back to nationals. And I only fell twice, and I still came in ninth, but there was ten guys there, so I beat one guy. Yeah. And then the next year, I go up to juniors, and um, you know, I'm a little bit better just based on experience, and I beat two guys. I'm on fire, right? Yeah. So you know, it's, it's like you know, the whole idea of 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 anything is the more you do it and the more you do it with intention it's like it, it's not just enough to show up showing up is great and showing up is a big part of the equation but you got to show up with the intention that you're going to be humble and hungry in the pursuit and you're going to get better right mm-hmm. you're you're going to find okay i did that i, I keep doing that i'm going to figure out a way not to do that anymore it was funny when when i talk about you know all those years i competed on the senior level and I was on television, Dick Button would always find something to say that wasn't complimentary. Mm. That's the way to say it. He would criticize me harshly. And so I figured, well, I, I, I'm not going to let him say that again. Mm. So I'd work on it and I, it would be one of those things where I'd work on it and I'd work on it and I'd work on it. And so the next year he would criticize something else. And I go, okay, he, didn't, he couldn't say that one thing again. So now I'm going to work on that. So you, you start chipping away at stuff. Like even to this day, I tell my kids, it's based out of that story is like the greatest strength is what? And they'll go, oh, here we go again. A lack of weakness. I go, right. So the greatest strength is a lack of weakness, right? So you chip away at all those things that prevent you from being successful. And then pretty soon, you know, you're pretty substantial, right? Yeah. So yeah. I had to fail, a mountain of times, you know, and I had to, I, I, I just, and a lot of it was out of preparation. I just wasn't prepared. And I, I didn't train in a way that when I stepped on the ice, I knew I was ready. Mm-hmm. I had way too many. And, and this was my thought going into the 84 Olympics was when I step on the ice in 1984, I don't want to would have, could have, or, or should have to be in my mind. Yeah. I want to know that I've done every single thing I can to be prepared for this moment and I'm going to take whatever I get. And in a way, you know, it stops you from doing this, right? And it allows you to kind of like do that. And, you know, if you can approach life with an open hand and not a clenched fist, you're probably going to be okay. (laughs) You know, but a lot of that is just preparation and and working out your failures. And, you know, people go, well, failure is, is awful. Failure is painful. Failure is embarrassing. I go, really? If you're in professional baseball and you only fail two out of three times, you're in the hall of fame. Yeah. Right. Come on. Yeah. Failure is information only. Yeah. Failure is feedback. And if if we're going to look at failure as something to avoid, then we miss the point. You know, we want to, we want to fail. We want to put ourselves in positions to fail so we can get stronger. And that's the only way we're going to get stronger. Yeah. I remember hearing a quote uh, about successful people. It said successful people or winners are winners because they fail more often because they lose more often. And what that's saying is that successful people, they set their sights and their standards so high. They chase such lofty audacious goals that, that it's going to require them. They, those standards are so high what they're chasing that they are going to lose. Like you said, your first year, you finished dead last. Second year, you finished ninth. Third year, you finished eighth. But then you built up to become an Olympic champion in Sarajevo in 84. Well, the crazy thing is, is, you know, uh, the first year I competed at nationals, they had a big celebration 
right? Um, and for the the guy who won the U.S. Men's National Championship, and you, you invited everybody to come. I actually skated with him, so he's kind of my my hero, role model, and everything else. So I'm sitting there with another kid my age, and he goes, "Oh, look, there's a big tray thing of beers right there. Go grab me a beer." And it's like we're 14 years old. It's like, no, no grab your own beer. And he goes, "No, no, no, I have something to lose. You don't." Oh. And I've, you know what? I've never forgotten that. And I always thought, is that really, if I put myself in a position where that's what people think of me. And so, you know, fast forward, you know, from that moment, let's go forward seven years, right? Yeah. So seven years later, um, seven and a half years later, because now it's October of 1980, was the first competition I won where I would never lose again for four okay. years. Wow. And it's like, I look back on that and it's like, really? I must have gotten really lucky a bunch of times because yeah. that's like impossible. And then it really was, it just came down to, you know, building that, those muscles, not only in your body, but in your, in your heart, in your mind, that you, when you step on the ice, you're able to deliver the goods consistently while still being humble and hungry and, and going after, just keep looking that way, you know, just take that rear view mirror throw it off, you know, you know throw, rip it off the windshield, throw it in the back of the seat. And you're still, you know, you're going that way. You're not going back there. And you're not going to like, I'm not going to protect this. I'm not protecting. I'm just going that way. You know, and the you got me you do, fired up here, man. You got me fired up. You're already- No, but it's like, how many guys win a marathon by looking back? You know, no, it's like, right? you lose speed. Just slow down. It's like, no, we're going that way. I love that you touched on failure at the beginning of this because it allows our audience to hear that, to hear that Olympic champion, a the, the most celebrated skater in male figure skating, is talks about failure and the massive amounts of failure that he experienced. I think I think uh, so Mike, important. I think Michael Jordan missed over nine thousand shots in his career. I think is the stat like nine thousand times he shot and missed, but like you said, continued forward. He wanted the ball to shoot the next one, just the belief in the next one. Um, and then I also love what you said about how when you stepped on the ice in 84, that it was just like, okay, let's go have some fun because you had, you had you, none of this right. could have because you have. It wasn't really fun. Well, <laughs> you know, it yeah. was like the Olympics, you know, it's like stressful. I'm like doing yeah. this. I'm sweating right through my outfit. And it's like, this is, this is like, this is my this is my only chance right now. But again, the main thought was no would haves, no could haves, no should haves. Like I I did everything I could to prepare for that moment. It's still like you still gotta do your job. And yeah. I didn't yeah. skate as well as I I trained. You know, I I, I go leading up that moment. I think I did like sixty five or sixty four clean run throughs going up to that moment. You wow. know, every day. So I was really prepared and I was like locked in muscle memory. Everything was great. It's still one event, only yep. one medal. And if you don't do it, you got to wait four years. It's yep. not like in swimming or track and field where it's like, oh man, I was a little off today, but I got eight more races. It's like, yeah. no one, yeah. <laughs> that's it. So that's where uh, in hockey, we would talk about it. Competition is literally just the expression of our practice. You know, the pursuit of excellence, it's the expression of your practice, the mastering of your craft. And it's then less about, it's, it takes some of the stress off for me because that's why losses were so, losses used to be in the NHL, losses used to be like 
life or death. And now it's information. Now mm-hmm. coaches will go, okay, thanks for the, this. This loss was really helpful because it showed us that we can't break out of our defensive zone as effectively as we want to. So that information okay. is That's really it. valuable. Right? That's it. Loss has changed from going to somebody's heart to being like, okay, this is information. Like you said, with a commentator, he would pick apart something and you're like, okay, I'll make that better. Now we can't talk mm-hmm. about that. Um, I also want, want to tell you that I watched you skate probably thousands of times. Oh, wow. So my, Thank you. My sister uh, figure skated, my mom <laughs> figure skated, and my mom told me, she said, Brooks, if you want to be a hockey player, you're going to learn to skate properly. Yeah. You're going to figure skate before you play hockey. And so I figure skated. Thank and, you. Right. So just for everybody listening, figure skaters are where hockey players go to learn to skate. Yeah. You're and we right. have a learn to skate with the predators, right? And so many parents put, well, well, I want my kid to play hockey, so I'm going to put him in hockey skates. It's like, no, you really want to learn in figure skates because let's get you moving, let's get you coordinated, let's get all those little muscles fired up. And then when you need to go over to hockey skates, it'll be like an afternoon. You'll yeah. you'll transition in like an hour. And, you know, it, it still takes some practice to do it, but it's like if you learn on figure skates, they're flatter. Yep. There's a toe pick where you can yep. get yourself moving yep. and, and they're just, they're just a little bit like the, the radius and hockey skates are like this. So you're on very little bit of the blade and it's harder to balance. Right. Yep. And so, you know, the parents are like, well, no, no, we really want to just stay with hockey skates. It's like, okay. <laughs> it looks like you're going to be our customer a lot longer. So, you know, <laughs> it's that it's like, and we, we try to, you know, it's like the NHL when, when we use their, um, league development fund to build our ghost skate program where we scholarship, you know, young people under 12 years old into our learn to skate. And at the end of the, we buy them skates mm-hmm. so that they can, you know, it's stickier. It's all that. It's like, well, now I have skates. I know how to skate. I want to be you know, a part of this. Yeah. So we thought that was a really good way to go. And then um, the manager of the Fort Ice centers, which are the predator ranks, he comes up to me and he goes, uh, can you give me five reasons why, um, we need to buy figure skates for our skaters. And I go, I'll give you 50. <laughs> and he goes, five's enough. Yeah. And it was, it was like, this, you know, the ice sports are ice sports and the rink is a community and we want to all be a part of this. However, we want to be a part of it. And, yeah. you know, again, I live with an open hand and not a clenched fist. Yeah. You know, I, I really am a peacemaker and I try to allow a good, environment for people to work in and and it's like it's that it's like no we want to meet people where they are not where we necessarily want to force them into a situation here and and some of the best hockey professional hockey players started off in figure skates big time you can see they did I can see it instantly when I see an NHL player because I, I can see the way their hips open up and the way they pivot and their edge work. They're especially mm-hmm. – every any, every NHL player is good on their inside edges, but the figure skater, the, the NHL player that has figure skated mm-hmm. is good on the – exceptional on the outside edge. Oh, and yeah. Forward-to-backward transition, the way they can open their hips and pivot is world-class, and you just see that. When I watch figure skaters, it is so graceful. The amount of speed and power you guys can generate – with your edge work and forward. carry, right? Carry. We got to carry the speed. And effort, a lot of people don't appreciate effortless, that. Effortlessly yeah. carry that. It's amazing. and silent. It's so great when you when you see a good skater, whether they're speed or figure or hockey, and you can't hear the edge. It's like, oh 
man, that's like heaven. It's like, it's so pure. It's so good. And that's like Billy Kidd said that about skiing. He goes, he goes, um, how do you know they're a good skier? And he goes, you close your eyes. Uh-huh. He goes, what? You close your eyes. And you're like, how do you know if they're a good skier if you close your eyes? Because, because you listen and you can hear them carving into the snow. And you know, the, the quieter you can hear, it, it's like, a, it's like, a, and it's just pure. And you know, I, I, there's a skater um, from Japan. She was actually world champion in 1994. And her name is Yuka Sato. And her edge quality is spectacular. Janet Lynn, when she skated, her edge quality was the best in the world. Yeah. And it just comes down to, it's just, it, it, you know, you use less effort because yeah. you're able to carry the speed. You're not constantly grinding and working. And we have a, a coach here at Nashville that moved here from New York. And actually, I skated with her when she was eight years old. She was a figure skater that was an alternate to the world team. At age 50, she tried to make the U.S. Olympic speed skating team. Wow. And now her business is teaching hockey skaters how to skate. Right. And that again, that outside edge and really loading up and being in the right place and having your hips in the right place. She is so tough. And so on it that a lot of the, a lot of the kids go, she scares me. And it's like, yeah. good, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's good. Cause you're in a tough sport. You get in there. And so it's really fun to kind of um, see that, you know, that you express that. And even like Terry Crisp, who's the voice of the predators, you know, in the yep. pregame and postgame shows, you know, he said the biggest day was when they were in Calgary and, and a figure skater, a woman showed up to teach him how to skate. And they're like, all right. And she goes, tell you what, I'll race you backwards. Yeah. All right. But who's your fastest guy? I'll race them backwards. And if they beat me, I'll walk out. But yeah. if they don't, you have to listen to every word that I say. <laughs> and, and, you know, he said, you know, she beat him by like blue line to blue line distance. Ridiculous. Right. It was like that. Yeah. And then, okay, I guess we have a lot to learn here. You know? So it it's like, we can all learn from each other and we can grow from each other and we can just, I mean, this world is so broad and so complex and so rich in the experience that it's really fun to be able to share these ideas and, and to be able to learn from each other. It's a beautiful, beautiful art, my friend. Like it is just, I watched so many hours of figure skating um, and I want to pay you a compliment because I watched you from the time I was a kid. If hockey wasn't on, figure skating was on. It. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, that was fun. And, My target audience was men. And yeah, I love it. Like, I'm, no, it was because I, you've, you've got all these women in the audience and they're like, oh, you know, wait. For, and then yeah. you have these men and they're sitting there going, oh, God, I don't want to get beat. So, yeah. So can I tell you what, um, what was really interesting and what I, what's been awesome to have you on the show is and hear your version of your career and your pursuit of excellence in the amount of failure and the amount of resilience that you've shown is I remember watching you when I was younger and I remember my mom and dad having conversations about you and and the word grit and resilience continued to come up and they always said you could never bet against Scott Hamilton. You could oh, just wow. never bet against him. And so watching you, you could see this. It's it's refreshing for me to hear you speak about resilience 
and and failure and how you overcame that and continued to pursue excellence uh, because that's what I witnessed. That's what I witnessed in watching you skate and energetically oh, thank that, you. witness that. And it was, it's for myself when I played hockey, the scariest guys to play against weren't the most talented, weren't the guys with the best world-class skills. They were the guys that I knew would never quit. Yeah. Those were the scariest guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so hard. Well, to- I mean, that's, that's the head game of sports, right? And, you know, when I was skating, especially toward the end, I, I made sure that they never saw me miss a jump ever. And in that, they had to go, oh, man, now uh, he's never going to miss, so I can't miss. I can't miss so yeah. instead, of, instead of it going like, I'm going this way, and they're kind of like now stuck in their own space going, all right, I'm under a lot of pressure now. I can't miss a jump. I got to do this right because they're never going to miss. And, and it's that game, that gamesmanship that comes in. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm prepared. And, you know, I'm never going to quit and I'm going to be on it. And you're just going to have to worry about yourself. And it's like, you, oh, that really destroys people. You had an immense presence because of that. That that I'm was five foot nothing, right? <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> but your presence was giant. Your presence was giant, Scott, because of that. Like there, there was like, there's a tremendous amount because what that is ultimately that's a that's a massive form of respect. Oh, if some, like people, because like it transferred through the television screen watching this, that the kind of the whole group was watching like what's Scott going to do? That's kind of the thing of the whole time. And dude, I sat and watched these, trust me, I sat and watched these competitions. My mom and my sister, my dad would watch them. Like they were on in our household all the time. So yeah. just from one athlete to another, I just admire the way you show up. Oh, and and getting you. to know you now on this podcast, I admire your approach to the sport, which obviously has has led to fantastic success and an Olympic gold medal within it. But then more so, I believe, has led to triumph in your personal life, overcoming multiple, um, I don't even know what the word, I, I, not traumas, but like obstacles. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's, you know, you get knocked down, you get up, you know, and it's like, you know, I I joke that I have a unique hobby of collecting life-threatening illness, right? So it's that, and, you know, you, you deal with whatever is in front of you and, and you, you, you just make the best of every situation and, and you have to, you know, learn and grow. And, and, but at the same time, you know, and I, I want to go back to that whole kind of um, humble and hungry thing, yeah. right? It's like, I've seen way too many athletes get to a point where they feel like it's a destination. Mm, yeah. You know, it's like, well, I just won whatever, you know, it's like, for a lot, for a lot of years, a lot of the kids that won on the, I was last in the novice level. Right. So a lot of the kids that won, you know, they were really good skaters. They're very talented, but it was almost like that win created expectation, which created pressure, which created, you know, kind of like this protectionism. It's like, well, I'm good enough now. So I I have to kind of stay there. I'm not, you know, I'm not criticizing them at all. It was like, they were a product of their environment. And I, for me, the whole coming in last thing was the greatest thing that could have happened because you're still you're still looking forward. So it's humbling yourself to know that you know there's always there's always better, there's always more, yeah. there's always yeah. some chink in your armor that you need to either polish or shore up. And and you know, you, you gotta be hungry and, and it's just like ambition and and you wanna be 
better than you were last year and better than you were, you know, and you're in next year going to be better than you are this year. And it's always kind of like that, that moving forward thing. And yeah, of course you're going to be aware of your surroundings, but you know, it's, you can't settle and you can't, um, you can't put yourself in a position where now other skaters are going to catch up. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the nature of the beast because I got older. Um, you know, I was there for a long time. Figure skating is based in opinion in many respects than it was purely. And, you know, flavor of the week is really tempting, you know, so you got to stay ahead of people. And when I turned pro, there was really nothing for a skater like me. So I had to kind of invent it, you know, and I was lucky that, you know, the first two years I was pro, I was in the ice capades. So I learned a lot about production. I learned about, you know, just how all the show things work. And when they went through a sale and the new owner didn't want men, I was given an opportunity because I proved myself in that forum to be able to start the Stars and Ice Tour. And, you know, I, I, it was, I understood the opportunity. I understood how fragile those opportunities were. So I just kept doing that. It's like, I got to be, I got to be on it. I got to be, um, I got to keep my skills up. I got to be aware of marketing. I got to be aware of, uh, you know, just, perception i gotta be aware of you know that i'm here now but i've got to learn so many more things if i want to stick around and and it's funny because my role models weren't skaters really who are they role models i'm a big music guy okay okay so i love neil diamond because if you've ever seen him on stage man he just loves 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 you know just his love of his craft isn't the greatest He's having the best time on that stage as the audience is mirroring kind of that whole joy that he's got. And I go, okay, I'm going to learn from that. My other hero is Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, and Bruce Springsteen, blue collar guy, built an audience the old fashioned way. He just, oh, he just delivered, delivered, yeah. delivered the goods every single time. And then the third was, uh, you know, um, the lead singer for Led Zeppelin, this guy named Robert Plant. And, mm-hmm. As a solo artist, he was so creative and he was so like worth, he was ready to take every risk, chance that he possibly could to keep moving forward, right? And and being a little different, a little, and, and different's the key. It's not so much, yeah, you want to be better the next year, but when you're an entertainer, you've got to be different. Otherwise, keep- if you're writing the same song yeah. all the time, then people go, okay, seen it, you know, it's been there, done that. But it also allows you to kind of get deeper, stronger, and more versatile in your ability to kind of like create longevity. And the key, you know, destination is great, but journey longevity is, is really key to any amount of success you want to have. Yeah. And I think I was having this conversation the other day with a friend of mine, we were talking about um, different kinds of greatness. Mm-hmm. And there is individual greatness. There is like winning, winning the Olympics in 84. That is singular individual greatness. And then there's also longevity greatness of being one of That's the hard. best in the world for 15 years where your name is always mentioned as the possible victor of this competition. So there's, it's like a band, a band can have a one hit wonder. Boom, and, yeah. and that's greatness. Let's not let's not discount that. Right. That is greatness to, but then the band that sticks around for 
like the Rolling Stones five decades or what like those bands, like that longevity greatness. It's a testament to what you're talking about, Scott, about the journey, the constant pursuit, right? The pursuit of excellence, but then also um, innovating, innovating in your arena, in your sport, in your industry, whatever it is. And in the term that I always like to say, parents ask me about hockey, like what should my kid do? And the thing I always say to them, don't tell your kid he has to be the best right now. Um, the biggest thing for me, I think in my professional life was I, I felt I was the best at getting better. Yeah. And that's what I hear you speak about is like continually getting better and you never arrive. But yeah. if, no. if, it's, if it's not about the destination, then it's a constant pursuit of excellence. It's constant mastery of the craft and honoring of the craft versus saying, I want to have this to hold in my hand and then I'm done. Yeah. And, you know, and greatness too, you know, and you, Dick Button said it really well. He said, you can only measure greatness um, in like, let's say in any sport by the fact that because of that person's participation, they, yeah. they left the sport better than it was before. Yeah. Right. And, and I think about that and it's really amazing to think about and i when he said that to me i go i want that i want to be that guy i want to be that guy that is like you know and, and again i had nothing you know i was a big old honking loser when i you know i competed at younger levels but it turned into i want to be that guy i want to and i want to i want to keep being that guy and i want to and until you know after a while honestly you just run out of gas you know and i did after my first son was born, I just sort of said, okay, enough of this. All right. It's time for me to move on. And I want to be a great father. I want to be a great husband. I want to, I want to be involved. I want to, you know, take this blessing, this incredible blessing and, and do it as well as I possibly can, you know? And so, you know, there's the next, there's always going to be the, especially in sports. Right. And then you just take your experience and you try to put it into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And, and I've been really lucky that I've always had, you know, and some of this come out of unfortunate circumstances, but the fact that I work in cancer is because I lost my mom to cancer and I survived cancer. So I had to have it in order to truly understand how to serve that community. And, you know, are you meeting scientists? And I'm the dumbest guy to ever give two TED Talks, like ever. And so I look at that and it's like, okay, now I, I have the ability to reach people. And I have, you know, I have the ability to, to use that for good. You know, I, I, I meet so many, I see so many, um, whatever, whatever they are, you know, uh, actors, entertainers, um, musicians, athletes, politicians who kind of use their, their pulpit and, and they use it in negative ways. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, that is so short lived. You know, that is, that is not gonna, te- that doesn't, that you're, you're, you know, you're, you're sort of like, if you're remembered, you're remembered as a train wreck. You know, you're not remembered as somebody that, good into the world and brought you know tried to make the place maybe better than it was before you know and 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 that's always in there it's like how can i do this life thing and and really try to take everything i've been given and use it to help other people um and i love what you've done with that and like the characteristics that you carry from sport, your resilience, your grit, your willingness to continue to learn, to innovate, to try new things. 
has immensely benefited you on the other side of sport in becoming an analyst, a commentator, in becoming a, a producer, in becoming a best-selling author, um, what you do, the work you do with the Scott Hamilton Cares Foundation, just the um, the mindset to bring this to fruition, to even have the concept and then bring it to fruition. Can you tell our audience a little bit about that? Because that foundation is the work you do there is that is legacy work. Well, hopefully yeah. we're, you know, we're really, it's, it's, again, it's just doing this and, you know, and, and, you know, with, with anything I do with cares, um, you know, I really, it means a lot for me to share with people that I, I am the ultimate volunteer. I don't, it cares is it's, um, you know, my executive director, Carrie Morgan, she always talks about founder syndrome and it's like, uh, we got founder syndrome again. It's like, well, we can, you know, let me leverage whatever I can in order to make your job a little bit easier. And, you know, she talks about, you know, the whole founder thing, cause I'm a volunteer. I won't take a penny yeah. for any of the work I do with cares ever. I, I just, I never I'm, have, I'm and never I never have. will. And we've raised, we've raised a lot of money over the years. In the 16 years we've been around, we've probably raised about $40 million, you know, and, and, and that's hard to do, but it's like, when you look at it and you go, well, how's it working? What's it doing? How's it? And we go, okay, we're helping people. And now we've really focused in for the last six years to truly just elevate immunotherapy and, and super precision targeted therapies to just let's just treat the cancer and leave the rest of the body alone. This collateral damage thing is it's so over and it's, it's so short-sighted, you know, we just need to keep doing those things. So I, I work as a volunteer. Um, I, you know, I, I, I may have some authority, whatever I'm, I'm learning all the time, but again, it's part of that, whatever we need to do in order to make it better for the next patient. And, and we've always done that through chemocare.com, um, a website that teaches people about chemotherapy, to the Fourth Angel Mentoring Program, which pairs newly diagnosed patients with survivors, to the, I don't even, I've lost count of how many research um, uh, programs we've funded over the years. And, and you know, it's just, it, it's just whatever I can do to bring more people into the fold. And, and, you know, again, it's just there's size and numbers. You know, Danny Thomas said, I'd rather have a million people give me $1 than one person give me a million dollars. And honestly, I'm kind of good both ways. You know, I don't really care. <laughs> you know, however, we can get the job done, right? Yeah. So it's that. It's like, how do we do the work? How do we do the work? Yeah, I love what you're doing there. That's, that's legacy work. That is, that is lasting. And for you, probably you're equally as proud of that as, I mean, you can answer this, but as your Olympic gold medal and your success. Well, that. thank you. I, I just thought if I can find a, a proven treatment for my mother's cancer that, that destroyed her, then I'll know I was born. You know, yeah. it's that type of thing. It's, it's, you know, I was adopted at six weeks of age. I was lucky to be here, period. I'm sure my birth mother had other options. And so I look at, you know, how do I, how do I do this? And, and what's the best way to engage and, 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 and help the community, you know, and the community is like the world. And so, you know, a lot of, you know, what I'm working on now is purely that it's like, you know, the live your days um, platform. Yeah. Um, get into this. Yeah. It's it, we, you know, it came out of my third brain tumor diagnosis and it was one of those things where it's like, um, our bodies are incredibly fragile, but phenomenally resilient.
Okay, you just said something. I want to. I don't want to. Your third brain tumor diagnosis. It's right here. How like for for you? You said it so casually and easily. Like hearing one, hearing one. Like for our for our listeners, like hearing that one. Like if I hear that about myself, like I couldn't imagine what I would go through. Like what do you go through? How do you persist through three of those, Scott? Well, the first one was really scary and ignited my faith. Um, I, I love, love, love my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love, love, love. Couldn't love more. Um, second one was like a kick in the gut. That one, I, and it's, it was a surgical situation. The first one was radiation. Second one was surgery. Surgery didn't go as well as it should have, could have. So I ended up having nine more after that and aneurysm and obliterating an aneurysm and all that stuff. It was kind of a tough summer. And then when I came back again, um, this time I'm getting all the doctors talking to me about treatment options. And all I can hear in the back of my mind was like, get strong. And I was like, get strong. Right, what does that mean? Get strong. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking, I'm having this conversation in my own mind. It's like physically or mentally or emotionally or all spiritually. Yeah. And so I went E, I went E all the above. And so, you know, I've watched the tumor grow and shrink and shrink and grow and shrink and grow and grow and shrink and, and um, so it's just been for the last four years, I've just been vigilant and just sort of living my life, trying to get healthy and trying to get strong. And, and, and it was just the only choice I could make at the time because, you know, I, surgery is problematic, you know, since I've already had the surgery. So they have to dismantle everything in there and kind of, and I don't, I'm not, you know, it's not like I'm denying that when I, when I become symptomatic, you know, they found it on, on a, on a scheduled MRI. So it's there and it's doing this, you know, and as long as it's doing that, especially that, then we'll be good. So it's, it's like, you know, it's like we live, right. We just, you know, and it's, and, and it's a reminder, you know, going back to that whole thing. It's like, I'm every day trying to get stronger, trying to get better, trying to get a little deeper, a little richer in the experience. And, is a way of, you know, pushing this thing back and of when the time comes, when I have to pull the trigger on treatment, I'm ready to go. Right. I mean, I'm strong and I'm, I'm 62 years old. I'm healthy and I'm, I'm, I can endure it. Right. So, you know, um, you know, but I'm reminded we're fragile. We're very resilient and we're temporary. Mm. So knowing that, that like the, the kicker is we're temporary. Nobody gets out of this thing alive. So knowing that our days are numbered, how do we live? How are we going to choose to use our days? And so when I was had that third brain tumor, I did a, an interview with people magazine, people.com. And I basically laid it out. I go, look, you know, it's like, these are just things that happen. And, you know, we, I, I, I choose how I want to live my days. And, and it caught the ear of a, a marketing company here in Nashville and they go, live your days. It's like, like it's my, the, the woman that runs it, Shannon Linton, it's her kind of like mantra, day-to-day mantra. It's like, live by, I'm going to live my, how am I going to live your days today? And she all the time it's in there. And so we, she brought up, you know, right after that interview went viral, what was supposed to be about 10,000 people, you know, being shared, you know, whatever that interview, it's just a normal interview. It was seen over 35 million times. Oh, wow. So she knew something was in there, but I go, well, let's just tap the brakes here because it's not the right time. And then COVID kicked in 
And she called me and she goes, now? And I go, now. Now. So let's 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 remind people that our days are precious and the opportunities are limitless and and what we can do with this life is a choice no matter what our condition and what no matter what we're up against it's like a breath is a breath a day is a day a minute is a minute and we can use those and and not only for ourselves but for our loved ones and for for everyone else involved so you know the live your days platform it it started off to be sort of encouragement, digital encouragement platform. It's become a podcast. We've had eight podcasts are phenomenal guests. Robin Roberts will be on next week. And um, oh my goodness, Kevin Nealon, Bart Millard, Christian Maguchi, and all of them have a story to tell of how they built their lives, you know, as a way of just sort of a guide to inspire people and help them make those choices to live their lives you know, yeah. better, joyfully, productively, abundantly. Yeah, I would love that one of your missions with Live Your Days with the entire platform and the podcast is a call to being present. Yeah. Really is what it is, a call to Well, I mean, come on. How many times have you been so consumed in your own thoughts that something happened right in front of you and you missed it? Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, man, I can't get there's no instant replay. Like, yeah. yeah. I really, you know, it's like my wife, you know, they have these storm chasers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rainbow chaser. She's a rainbow chaser. Okay. Rainbows fill her heart like nobody's business. And when there's a big rainstorm, she'll get in the car and she'll go out and she'll like find rainbows. And it's like, <gasps> and it just takes her breath away. And I look at that. And I go, That's it. That's the That's stuff. It. It's like we we look for those. Like gotta find them, and we we can't let our lives just pass us by. We've got to do it. We got to live joyfully, productively, abundantly. We got to allow, no matter what our condition is. As long as we have breath in our lungs, and we we just we got it we got we got to choose to live this life fully. I love I love oh man Scott I could listen to you talk for days man I this I hope our community jumps over and, and tunes in to to live your days because you've got me fired up. I well, come well, there's, on, there's like a thirty day challenge. Uh, okay, thanks. what's the thirty day challenge? Thirty day challenge. It's not like you know we're gonna have you like climb mountains or run marathons. It really is. It's just to build those muscles of awareness and contentment in our lives that really go, wow, like I, there's so much here that, yeah. Okay. So I just started doing it. I, I got a journal and yeah. we even sell these, we even sell journals on LibertyDays.com because all the merch we sell there, it benefits the Cares Foundation, right? So the first one um, happened yesterday and it's just an example uh, list three things I'm most grateful for mm. and kind of why. And so my three things were family, opportunity, and redemption. Mm. So, you know, the, we, we, you know, the, the thing with, with, with living your days and being in faith is, you know, there's, there's kind of like four legs of the chair, right? And you're sitting on this, it's a foundation of your life for these four pillars. And one is physical. One is, is emotional. Another one is intellectual and the other one is spiritual. Mm -hmm. And if any one of those legs is missing, you're probably going to fall down and you might get hurt. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the idea is, you know, we, we got to fortify ourselves every way we possibly can. And that's the get strong thing. E all the above. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I hope people go to liveyourdays.com and join this movement and we got to create some positivity and, and, you know, we want them to share their thoughts and their experiences and take the 30-day challenge and 
uh, buy the merch that will fund cancer research and and uh, enjoy the podcast. That's so cool too that you put a purpose behind the passion, behind the mission. You know that it funds cares and the money goes toward that because a you're doing something that's impactful, meaningful, lights you up, and you're giving to people. And then the cause of it and where the money goes is then beneficial over here. Um, Scott, you are just you, uh, like I said at the top of the show, you are a living legend. <laughs> well, as I'm a, living. That's that's all that matters right now is I'm living. But as an athlete, you're a living legend. As and as a human being, as a humanitarian, you are a living legend, my friend. So I think. Well, you. you know, it's it's you know, uh, thank you. You know, I've, you know, like I'm, mean, you know, as as human beings, we we make a lot of mistakes, and we we just got to keep moving forward. And that, that's why I said, you know, my three things I'm most grateful for, you know, are my family, my my opportunities, and you know, especially redemption. Yeah. You know, it's like knowing that. My creator loves me unconditionally and forever. That's a good reason to get out of bed every morning. Oh, my friend, you are welcome on this podcast anytime. I know your family. I know your boy there is, is calling you. I know. Yeah, you have- we got an A on his English test today. So we're celebrating. He picked up some food and we're going to just munch. And now I got to host a Nashville Zoo fundraiser. In about an hour and okay. a half. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you know, buddy. I thank you so much. You've inspired me. You've inspired our audience. Go to live, uh, thanks, liveyourdays.com, liveyourdays.com, where people can check yeah. out more. Liveyourdays.com. Mr. Scott Hamilton, a living legend. Thank you so much. Everybody else, thank you for tuning into this episode. We'd love to have, have you back on, Scott. You were so impactful. Anytime. Anytime. Till next week, guys. Take care of one another, love one another, and we'll see you back here for another episode of How Men Think. Yeah.